It's Friday the 3rd of June. This is the Climate Alarm Clock. This week's headlines. Climate action plan not enough to help Ireland meet its climate targets, according to the EPA. And a German judge travels to Peru for a climate case. Also coming up on this week's show, we wrap up our Book of Leaves collaboration for this season. And we continue our Birdwatch Ireland collaboration. Hello and welcome to the Climate Alarm Clock, your weekly Irish climate news podcast. I'm Dara Wynn. This season of the podcast has now made it into its fourth calendar month and we've two more episodes after this week to go before we wrap up this season for the summer. If you're enjoying what we do, you can get the word out to more people by telling a friend about us or sharing your favourite clip on social media. You can tag us on Facebook and Instagram at Climate Alarm Clock and on Twitter at The Climate Alarm. We have our regular collaborators, Cara Kearney and Ricky Whelan and Niall Hatch uh, to come later on. But as always, we start with our news roundup and I'm joined by Kira Daly and Anna Pringle. Kira, how are you keeping? I'm good, Dara. Thank you so much. And how are you? I'm grand. I'm grand. Anna, how are you? I'm not so bad, Dara. Keeping well. So our story this week, it feels a lot like our stories from the past couple of weeks. Last week, sure it was does. the EU Commission telling us that Ireland was falling behind on a lot of environmental actions. And this week, it was the turn of the EPA uh, to tell us how far behind Ireland are with the report that they brought out uh, on Wednesday of this week. As I say, I suppose there's nothing new, really. But the headlines from the report are that Ireland's emissions have increased 6% in the last year. You remember by 2030, under the Climate Action Bill, we're aiming to reduce emissions by 50%, but our existing policies will only get us 9.3% of emissions. And even if all measures in the Climate Action Plan were implemented, we would only reduce emissions by 27.9%. So what the report is telling us, basically, is that we're way off course to carry out the plan that we've set out. And even if we do carry out that plan, we'll still be way off our 50% emission reductions targets. Sounds like really, really positive news. <laughs> and go us, go Team Ireland. Um, yeah, so like, I suppose if we're getting the positives here, um, it's that this is a very, <laughs> you know, we can say this, you know, we can say, oh, Ireland's not doing enough, Ireland's off course. This is the EPA saying it. You know, this is all So who are the up. APA? They're the Environmental Protection Agency. Um, so they would do a lot of work around, well, obviously environmental protection, but also in terms of counting emissions, calculating emissions, um, running modelling, that kind of thing. So they're a really authoritative body. So now, you know, it's not just... And, and they're a government, sorry, they're a government agency. Um, so they speak with the authority of the state and they're yeah. scientists and... You know, so they would be the gr- same group that give us state the state of our water, for example, that okay. tell us about all our rivers that are in bad shape. You know, that they look at all the different environmental aspects. So, so they're very, very credible. And I think one of the things that's striking about their report and how they speak is it tends to be quite dry and scientific. They're not activists. They're not, you know, talking it up. They're just giving us the facts, facts. Plain, plain and simple, which makes it... It's yeah, you know, it makes it in some ways more stark, I suppose. That's yeah. exactly how I would describe it. I was saying earlier to you guys when I read this report from the last few months of being involved in the podcast, I was like, okay, this is nothing new, and I just felt like, what are we going to talk about? Like we've 
like you guys are saying this every week from various different reports and I just thought like this isn't a news story but then at the same time because of who it's coming from that's you know it it really is it's like the government essentially coming out and holding up their hands and saying we are doing enough yeah for sure and I think the thing here is that this is the big story you know climate change is the big story and if there are any other big stories like brexit or like covid or even like the queues in dublin airport at the moment it's the news reporting the same story pretty much every day and just a slight variety and that's what the media should be doing on climate change and i guess that's why we're here at the climate alarm clock to just keep telling these stories and trying to keep get the getting the word out because it's such an important story yeah, I mean, I watched the RTE flagship news program last night, the 6-1 News, and I think it was close to 15 minutes it led with, guess what? Uh, Climate change? No. No. Dara knows. Uh, I did. Uh, Dublin Airport. Dublin Airport. Oh. And, the, you know, because they were in the Iraq this yesterday or whatever. So I was looking at this going, like, it's 15 minutes. And they did mention the EPA report in the headlines, but it was 15 minutes before they got to it. And when they did, they gave it a good chunk of time. But but the main story was the Dublin airport story. And I think, yeah, I think that's where it's really, you know, it really shows us it's time to start joining the dots. I feel that every story is a climate story and it can't be this fringe issue. If we're to reach these 50% uh, emission reduction targets, one of the terms that was used yesterday was transformative action. Um, and that's something that's really clear in the IPCC reports that it's not just tinkering, tinkering around the edges. It's completely transformative change. It's completely transforming society. So I suppose a good example of that was one thing that was mentioned on the 6-1 News was agriculture. And they were talking about, you know, improving efficiencies and this kind of thing. But if we look at the global picture, we have a global food crisis. We are in a country where we import 80% of our food. The food that we grow, we mostly export and it's terribly emissions heavy. And then we see also during the week that there's local growers like Lenehan's um, closed down this week, a cabbage and Brussels sprouts producer. And that's showing you just all these interconnected problems, you know. And so the solution is we should be funding people like Lenehan's. We should be funding growers. We should be funding... um, people to move away from dairy so that we can feed ourselves so that we are prepared for global climate impacts at the same time bringing down our emissions and if it was done properly you would also have the added benefits of more jobs in rural Ireland um yeah yeah that's so and 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 Dara then you hear things like I think there was someone mentioned this week that um we're having difficulty finding seed potatoes to import so the potato crop is threatened by that. Well, and and like the idea that in Ireland used to be an exporter of seed potatoes and the idea that we are short of seed potatoes in Ireland is just shocking really. Yeah, 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 for sure. And so it's it it does need it does need that level of change, you know? Yep. It needs completely transformative change. It needs that vision. Um, so it needs to hit, you know, whatever a new plan is needed, clearly, whatever the new plan is, it needs to hit those emissions targets, but it also needs to get us ready for the impacts of climate change and fix the other problems that we have. So, it, you know, it's obviously a massive challenge, but... Uh, but we don't need a new plan. We need action on the yeah. plans. We've got great plans. We're great at making plans. 
Well, but, and we need and we need also need to be challenging. Like so, agriculture, for example, is projected to increase yeah, emissions yeah. by the EPA up to twenty thirty, and yet you've got the head of the IFA on the news saying, "Oh, farmers are doing lots. We're doing loads. We you know we're doing enough already." And but clearly, you're not because. They need to reduce methane emissions by 30% and they're talking about clover swords will do it. Will it? Yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess there are so many issues tied in there in terms of like people maybe not understanding how bad it is, people not being held to account um, and people and not leaders being... leaders waffling. Exactly. I mean, the, head of Dub- the head of Dublin Airport was being held to more account by journalists than the head of the IFA. I'd even say, Anna, that, you know, it was... It was Eamon Ryan that was interviewed on the 6-1 News yesterday, not Hall Martin, you know? Yeah. Um, the Climate Action Plan is under the, isn't it? It's under the Office of the Taoiseach. It's the Office of the Taoiseach that has responsibility for the Climate Action Plan. And but they're happy to, they are yeah, happy to And they to just leave it, you know, it's this massive issue. Yeah. So, you know, in fairness to the IFA and all these other groups who should be taking more action, we do need that real leadership from the top. That's completely yep. absent. And we need a media holding them to account. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Listening I, to you guys chatting there, it's really weirdly nice. <laughs> um, I just, after this, like after that, reading that report, I just was like, I just don't have any opinion. I don't have any feelings. I don't have anything. <laughs> I just was like, oh, we're just hearing this every week. Like, what am I supposed to do? So obviously there is a huge kind of issue coming from the top down. This week, I don't care about leaders. I don't care about anything like that. I want to shut off just for a week. I'm just tired and I just need to do something in my own space. So in terms of, I'm sure this is a situation you guys have been in when you're like, I actually just don't want to even think about it this week. When you're in that position, when you're in that situation, that mental space, what do you guys do so that you just... Like, I don't want to ignore the issue, but I just, I don't have the strength, like the mental capacity this week to be emailing TDs and going after everyone this week and maybe the way I was a couple of weeks ago. I don't have that drive, but I don't want to slip back into complacency and doing nothing. So what would your advice in that situation be? I think it's okay to take a week off and clear your head. You have to. Um, You can end up just obsessing and and you see everything through a climate lens it happens to me and I just have to step back and take a week off yeah or a day off even um you know so and and you don't have to feel the other thing is you tend then to feel guilty about you're not doing enough you don't have to feel guilty about that you have to live your life as well brilliant yeah yeah a week and in beer it's it is <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you, guys. Well, I mean, I attended the EPA conference launching the report. I attended it online. But Laura Burke, who's the head of the EPA, she was pointed out, which is interesting, that based on all of the surveys that have been done, people want this action. They support action on climate change and they want it to be done. Now, I would think we're not tapping into that well um, when you see the complaints about various things. But but. But the public does understand it now. So I think that's positive as well. And try to keep yeah. some positives, Kira, and try to think about are there, you know, are there things we can hold on to that are actually positive, you know? So um, and I, so I do think people are ready for action and will be demanding that action accelerates as well. Yeah, I think that's actually where a lot of my frustration comes from, because a lot of the, uh, you know, 
all of these there's a lot of changes that could be made that result in actually a really beautiful and like it sounds like a utopia like oh my god people will have equality there will be enough houses there will be enough food people will be taken care of like and I'm just like this sounds amazing why would we not want that and then it's like oh we're pushing so hard yeah. and like it just feels like you're pushing up against a, even a mountain that doesn't exist to get to the you know to the peak of it but I know it does but by the way one other notable thing from the IP, from the one notable thing from the EPA launch was that they had a senior person from the IPCC joined Professor Deborah Roberts and she was joining from Durban in South Africa and ironically her like technology wasn't working properly because she's in a flooded area and they have been living under a state of emergency where she is that some communities around where she lives haven't had water for 50 days Wow. Because of extreme precipitation and floods. And so she made the point, again, I'm going to cheer you up loads here, <laughs> Kira. She made the point that, you know, we're no longer dealing with singular extreme events. It's now multiple and they're more complex and they're connected to each other. So she said, like, we have heat and drought coming together, for example. Um, and she's just, it's just compounding the risks. So, yeah. So there, that's yeah. very cheery, isn't it? Well, it brings it home. It definitely does. Yeah. Um, shall we move on to our second story then? Yes. <laughs> um, she said hope. tentatively. So yeah, I would say <laughs> I would it? say this is uh, I would say this is a glimmer of hope. This is about a court case um, taking Amber place. Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. <laughs> Please, <laughs> joking. Uh, taking place in Germany. Um, brought by a farmer and mountain guide from Peru against a German electricity provider. Okay. Um, so basically, um, it's about it's about this farmer living at the bottom of a glacial lake, and that glacial lake has expanded in size by 34 times due to glacier melt wow. owing to climate change. Um, and this farmer is bringing this electricity provider uh, to court to try and recoup some of the expenses taken for the sort of flood defenses that were that were installed. Um, so it's a really, really interesting um, case because basically uh, this German electricity provider, RWE, are responsible for 0.47% of all historical global climate emissions. So this farmer is looking for 0.47% of the cost of these flood defences from from this company. So it's a really interesting case in that they're trying to say, well, you caused 0.47% of climate change. Climate change caused this lake to uh, grow in size and cause these expenses. So I want 0.47% of these expenses from you. So it's a really interesting case because it's trying to establish causality between big emitters and the impacts of climate change. And if, if, if this company were found guilty, it would be transformative in terms of, of um, climate polluters being brought to court. So why would it be transformative? It's the first case that uses attribution studies, which means they're attributing the blame for climate change to particular polluters. Okay. 
Yeah. So basically, if if this company were found that they're like, oh, you have to pay 0.47% of these costs, then other big polluters would also then be liable to pay costs for this. And then if any other members of the public were able to say, oh, well, climate change did this damage to my property or did this damage to my community, then these people would also be able to... um, to claim in a similar way so so it's paving the way to kind of just possibly yeah possibly yeah, yeah absolutely the only, the only yeah. case in the world that looks at the responsibility of private emitters to take responsibility for the impact of climate change in a different country wow so if you think about and in that, a different country as well that's really yeah yeah so it's interesting a, it'll be interesting to see if it does go through um and because it will set a precedent and i think actually like we talked about last week various loss lawsuits and so on i think using the law against emitters is actually very um i think it has a lot of potential and it's one yeah, thing well, it it's one thing the, it's so much credibility yeah as well the local man who's taken the case he's only asking for seventeen thousand euros in cost. Oh wow! Yeah, I thought it was going to be way more. No, because it's only it's less than one percent of the overall costs. Yeah. Um, so it's more about the verdict than the actual payout. You know, it's more about what the verdict. Would yeah, do just payout, I yeah. had in my head this is obviously like a wealthy farmer really trying to prove a point, no. but this is just an ordinary guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tr- like just trying to stand up for himself and take a, like a proper action against yeah. Yeah. a big organisation that's a really that's actually really really cheered me up <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and let's hope it's successful I mean there's about just to keep this in mind there's about 50,000 people living at risk of being flooded yeah from this lake so yeah. it's not I mean the, the impact is serious but it's great to see hopefully this lawsuit will, will help with it yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Good on him. Do we know his name? Yes, his name is. I'm going. To, I'm going to mess up the pronunciation, but his name is Saul Luciano Yuya. I think so. Yeah. Well, he's our climate hero this week. He he is. Um. All right. Shall we move on to our not climate story then? Yeah. Let's bring the mood down again. <laughs> <laughs> so our not climate story this week is in relation to homelessness and how homeless. And how the number of homeless people has risen above 10,000 for the first time after the pandemic. So this is kind of brought to light with Father Peter McVeary restarting the Raise the Roof campaign. I mean, Peter McVeary, he, he's such a tireless campaigner. And he's saying that he is, this sounds like us, doesn't it? He's, say, he's saying that he's never been more despaired or depressed about the state of Ireland's housing. And then he calls on the government to implement a report which came out in, guess when? 1973. Yeah, that it's is even shocking. slower than climate action. So can I go back to you guys and ask you why this is your not climate story? So there's a, there's a couple of things for me, for me, Kira. Um, first of all, if you take things in the context of our emissions and how we need to get emissions down, there are some places where we need to use up emissions. And one of those is building houses. Yeah. So when I talk about us needing transformative change, we need a massive plan that encompasses all our big problems and makes sure that emissions are going into the right places. One of those places is building homes. A second parallel or issue I would see is the whole issue of inequality around housing. 
of people, you know, of some people accumulating wealth. We know that wealthy people are the biggest emitters. So if we can make things more equal in terms of home ownership, in terms of property ownership, in terms of taxing rich people, we're helping the homeless crisis and we're helping climate change. So, I mean, if you look around Dublin city centre, you see the amount of derelict buildings when we've got a homeless crisis and they are also linked to emissions as well because they've got embedded emissions and, you, and you know, the building releases so many carbon emissions. So why aren't we Wow, that is actually something I did not know. Yeah, why aren't we retrofitting and insulating some of those existing building stock? Um, so it's, and, and it's just linked to justice as well and poverty and... Yeah. All of those, like you were saying earlier, Kira, um, everything would be so much better if we focused on the things we need to focus on, like housing, people have warm homes, people have better quality of life, etc. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and to really underline that point about dereliction, because the most efficient thing in terms of emissions is to retrofit and to do up um, already built houses. And then there are those knock-on effects of if they're in city centres, if they're in town centres, then people probably don't need a car to get around. So that's also keeping emissions down. So one of the things we have to be wary of building new housing stock is can the people living there get around without cars? All these kind of long-term plans need to be put in place. And then the last thing is linking it to people who are going to have to leave their houses due to sea level rise and due to flooding and thinking really long term um, because that is going to be an issue as well. So we, yeah, we basically need a housing strategy that that is climate conscious and climate aware. Yeah. I think something that really struck me with this story was you were talking about Peter McFerry, um, Anna and just how ha- like he's been working tirelessly for 40 years and I just thought like ugh, people who are involved in climate action uh, for them they're doing this and the problem is just worsening and worsening but the other option is just to give up and you know what would even though things are getting worse now what would they look like if people in this situation didn't have people like Peter McFerry and all the organisations that work to try and advocate for them how even worse how like how much more worse the problem would be for them in the situation and yeah I think that just really even though I was looking at the picture of him and I thought like how is he doing this oh like well you, you know we talk years. about we talk about resilience and you look at that man resilience, and you say that he is resilient but I think the other thing if you hear him speak that, that he always keeps in mind is the people that he's working with like yeah. he 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 never makes it an abstract issue he always keeps in mind the individuals that he's working with and helping them live with dignity yeah. and, I th- and I think that to some extent even if his overall it's still a big challenge you can still say you're having a positive impact on a day-to-day basis you know yeah. but but you can hear his frustration as well yeah yeah but we need and more Peter McVerries absolutely and I think Kira, you know when you were asking about earlier on about you know feeling a bit burnt out and stuff it's really good to just be able to step back and look at people like that, you know, and especially when you can link climate change to other things, seeing all the people involved in all kind of social justice issues and seeing how long they've been around and how they are still going. You know, that's incredibly inspiring uh, to be able to just to just stop and watch sometimes. It really is. How do you make leaders care how do you break down you know you have a conversation naturally they're gonna tell you they care 
So no, so so Kira, it's I I think you need to reframe that question. It's not how can I make leaders care. I think you need to look at who can I make care. Look at the people in your own life, and say, okay, who can I who can I help to understand this? You know that things are really bad. We need transformative change. And then if they understand it, who can they help understand? Because politicians yeah. are only going to listen to a mass of people. So you kind of need yeah. to you kind of need to just look within your own sphere of influence. Okay, who can I who can I reach out to? Whose mind can I change? Who can I who can I share these concerns with? And then from there, you know, hopefully they'll find more people. And that's really frustrating because it kind of feels like we don't have time for it. But also, you know, uh we can only do we can only do what we can only do, you know. Well, I'm going to disagree with Dara a little there um, <laughs> because I think what he said is I'm actually I'm not going to disagree with what you said. I agree with what you said, but I also think you can have an impact on leaders and people in positions of influence if you join organizations that are putting pressure on them and the more people that are in those organizations, the better. So it might be your local Friends of the Earth group or we talked about Not Here, Not Anywhere on the podcast a while ago. You know, just there are local organizations that are working together to put pressure on leaders and the more pressure that's put on them, the more likely they will listen and change. Okay. I like that advice, actually. From both of you. Oh, but mine was better, wasn't it, Kira? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, up women. <laughs> yeah, one of the big mindset shifts we need if we're going to tackle climate change is we need to remember everything's not a competition, Anna. <laughs> uh, we need to work together. Yes, it is. It's a competition to reduce emissions. It is. <laughs> um, Sorry, can I give a shameless plug before we go? Um, Kira was talking about the need to switch off. And one good way to switch off is to read a book, go, you know, go to a theatre, whatever. Um, But shameless plug for um, a play that I went to see this week called it's it's in Dublin, so you probably won't be able to get to it, Kira. but it's called It Is Good We Are Dreaming. And it's about young people and how they're coping with and coming to terms with things like climate change. So it's a climate change. um, Yeah. And Thank you very much for that recommendation for something that I can't attend. I'm sure really <laughs> but it might be touring at some point. It's definitely <laughs> worth worth looking at. No, that sounds really, really good. And Great shameless stuff. plug, it is written by my godson. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, Great stuff, Anna and Kira. Thank you so much. Uh, Kira, we're going to give you the week off next week. So you can recharge yeah, your batteries. Like I said, I'm flying off to buy a Ritz. <laughs> and uh, and we'll see you the week after for the season finale. Anna, thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Dara. Still to come on the Climate Alarm Clock, we have our Book of Leaves collaboration and our Birdwatch Ireland collaboration. But coming up next is the Irish Enviro Event Guide.